Welcome to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. This week's message is Morning of Baptisms, recorded Sunday, October 29th, 2023. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending an email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Now here's Parker with today's message. Here we are in this moment. I got a question for you. Is there stuff in your life that you wish you could just bury and never see again? Maybe it's a memory. Maybe it's a a pattern of thought in your world. Maybe it's a wrong that you can't make right. Maybe it's your school photo from seventh grade. (laughs) Yikes. Just yikes. I blame my parents for the haircut, one. And two, I have this theory that if I got small glasses, people wouldn't notice them as much. (laughs) Turns out it just makes your head look huge, is what it does. (laughs) Yeah. See what I do for you? That's alive on the internet forever now. (laughs) How much I love you. If you want to bury something, I got good news for you today. Today's scripture comes from a chunk of Romans chapter 5 and 6. This is Paul once again writing to a people who are learning how to implement the way and the truth and the life of Jesus. They're just receiving this good news. That means there's a past life. They've been living up until this point and they heard about Jesus. That means there's things in their world that they need to bury in order to live a new life. Paul is telling them and us that when we unite our lives with Jesus, we unite it through a burial and a resurrection like Jesus's. This is Romans chapter 5. Read with me. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Easy to say, hard to do. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. That was you and me. Very rarely will a person die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He made the first move. Since we now have been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only this is so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Things have been made right between us and God through the life, death, burial, resurrection of Jesus. And then it goes on in verse 12 through 21. He's talking about Adam, the first man that God made. And how Adam brought sin and death into the world by disobeying God and straying from the path that he had set for him. And then Paul brings in this contrast. He talks about Jesus coming as the second Adam, who is now living a big redo for the sake of humanity, saving humanity from the death that the first Adam brought into the world. It's a fascinating and beautiful parallel that brings the whole biblical life and the whole biblical storyline to life. 
So we pick up in chapter 6 for the focus of today. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or do you not know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him. There was a burial. Through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. We're walking dead. Dead man walking, dead woman walking, and then an opportunity for a new resurrection life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be reunited with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we died with Christ... We believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he can't die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died once and for all. For the life uh, he lives, he lives to God. Here's the last little chunk. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, so that you obey its evil desires. You do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather, here's the good stuff, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness, for sin shall no longer be your master, because you're not under the law, you're under grace. That part again, offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. St. Augustine wrote in Confessions about how we possibly see life from the wrong end of the hallway. We always see it as a journey from life to death, and he pushes to say, no, it's quite the opposite. It's a journey from death to life, life eternal. Scripture has the same sentiment. It says we are moving from a death, a burial, into a new life. A spiritual burial leads to a spiritual resurrection. Kyle Eidelman says burial is a prerequisite for a resurrection. For there to be resurrection in your life, there has to be a burial. If you want resurrection power in your life, not just after you die into eternity, but here, now, new power, new intention, new heart, new purpose, there has to be a burial. And here's the issue. So many of us try to live a new life without a burial of the old one. I lived this. This was me between CIY move uh, my high school senior year and then about my sophomore year of college. I was just playing the church game. My sophomore year of college, I was baptized and actually started following Jesus. And so in this in-between time, it was me just pretending. It was me just trying to, to prove to everybody around me that I could be like Jesus enough on my own power. I wanted all the perks of Jesus with none of the sacrifice or cost. I wanted all the blessings without the burden of being a servant to other people. I wanted the status in the Midwest of being a Christian, always a good guy, without picking up a cross. I was miserable. It was an identity crisis. I was half-baked in everything. I was just pretending. And I was exhausted of trying to keep up the act. Is this you? You find yourself in this moment? 
Have you ever noticed you trying to live a new life without burying the old one? Saying you'll get healthy for your kids and cut out sugar while you keep the Oreos in the cupboard? Trying to be more kind while you're hanging out with the same mean-spirited people you've been hanging out with since high school? And you're a grown man, you're a grown woman? Saying you'll be more devoted to your wife while keeping the porn hidden on your phone? Humans do this all the time. This is absolutely the reason you and I often fail so much at the self-help, life hack stuff that we're guzzling in our podcasts and our YouTube binges. We want the new, but we don't want to bury the old. And it typically looks something like this. Someone starts coming to church, they want something new, but they haven't yet let go of the old. They say, I want to get better, I want to change my life but I keep going back to that stuff that I don't want to do. I just don't know what to do anymore. And typically, their spiritual fuel to overcome is that one country song that says the word God in it and a few TikTok influencers that say inspirational Christianese things. That's fine. Those are not bad things, but that's all the fuel they have in the tank to change their life around. Do you see an issue there? There's no like personal time in the scripture of learning who Jesus is and what they, sh- what they should do in response to him. There's no prayer life. There's no faith community in their world. They got no fuel in the tank. They're sitting there, I want it. I want to change. I want to change. And you just got to look at them at some point and go, you got no power. You have no power in your situation besides what you have to offer. And you constantly in this cycle of going, I'm going to try harder. I'm going to try harder. Is it working? Maybe you need a greater power working within you. Maybe it's not about what you can pull off. Maybe it's about what God can pull off in you if you invite him into your world. Anybody sitting in this room who has felt that and knows what I'm talking about would testify to that power. Maybe you need a burial. The reason you keep going back and keep going back is because you haven't buried it. You haven't put that old life to death. If you want resurrection power in your world, the old life has to be buried. So what does this look like? Peter in the book of Acts tells an onlooking crowd, this is a guy who is a very close friend of Jesus. Okay, Jesus died, buried, raised from the dead, and now he's preaching to a crowd. 3,000 people looking at him, cut to the heart by the truth of the gospel that he tells them. And they're like, "Now, now that we know what we know about Jesus, we can't just keep living the same way. What do we do? What do we do? And Peter says, repent and be baptized. Who? Every one of you. In the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you. And for your children. And for all who are far off. For all whom the Lord our God will call the sins and the wrongs and the junk that hold you back, bring them to your mind. Hold them. Take responsibility for them. And then go bury them. Let God bury them in the waters of baptism and take them to a grave. And then let God raise you up in a new life, the Holy Spirit working within you to give you the change that you've wanted all along. And who is this for? Everyone who's got it together? People who understand everything about the Bible? People who come in here perfect? Nope. It's for you. And all who are far off. 
Here's the deal. Moving towards my baptism, obviously God was working in my life. I put it off because I didn't want to. I didn't know it all, but I also was afraid of commitment. And you know what I'm talking about. You're like, if I do this, I actually got to live it. I actually got to bury the old. And when I was baptized, I'm not saying everything was perfect that day. In fact, it maybe got harder. But there was a trajectory in my life that was going like this, and there was a moment where it started to go like this. And if I trace the epicenter of that moment, it's my baptism. And all of a sudden, sin wasn't fun for me anymore. And all of a sudden, I, had to, I felt like I absolutely needed to say my sorries, and it was painful. And I had this power that was changing me from the inside out that was like changing what I wanted. And so the change that I wanted actually happened. That was my baptism. Something about that. People who have been baptized in the room, you know what I'm talking about. Paul writing again, he, all, by the way, was also baptized after repenting and changing from hunting down followers of Jesus to becoming a follower of Jesus. He writes this in 2 Corinthians 5.17. If anyone belongs to Christ, then he is made new. The old things have gone, everything is made new. How does that sound? How does that sound to you? Jesus knew exactly what he was doing when he led the way for us by being baptized. In Matthew chapter 3, he comes to John the Baptist to be baptized. John knows who Jesus is and is like, uh, buddy, you should be baptizing me. And Jesus says, no. We're going to do this because it fulfills God's heart for us to fulfill all righteousness. And so John baptized him. Jesus was baptized in that moment. God knew exactly what he was doing when he prescribed baptism for us. He knew that we would need our old life to be buried so that our new one could be taken up to follow him. And it needed to be a powerful moment full of symbolism and experience and literally requiring someone else to be standing next to you in it. Have you ever noticed that nobody's ever alone in that tank? It's beautiful how God invites us into the unity of the life, burial, and death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Here's Romans 6, 3 through 4 again. Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? There was a burial. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that, just as Christ raised from the dead, through the glory of God the Father, we may too live a new life. That's a promise from God. That's not a promise from Parker. For you to have a new life, you've got to bury the old one. If you want resurrection power in your world, the old stuff's got to be buried. So in this moment, I want to invite those who have, been, uh, have already chosen to be baptized today to go ahead and you can stand and you can make your way out there. You're not bothering anybody. You're not interrupting anything. Go ahead and go. Everybody in this room who has been baptized, pray for these people right now. Just go ahead and take a moment because you know, you know the moment. You know what it's like when heaven meets earth in this moment. So pray for them. Pray for their hearts. Pray for their souls in this moment. It's beautiful. And if you did not prepare, if you did not come today, if you came today and, and you didn't know you were going to be baptized, but God's moving in your heart, move. We have everything that you need today. We got the works. We got a change of clothes. We got people, lovely people back there ready to help you. So I want to conclude the message just by touching on some, and feel free to stand up and go at any time. I'm not offended. I work with middle schoolers. They pretend to be alligators on the floor. You can stand up and go be baptized. It's totally fine. It's totally fine. 
I want to conclude the message by just touching on some common questions or concerns on days like this. And maybe it's stuff that you have in your mind that's keeping you from making this decision too. So let's give it a shot. What about me being baptized or sprinkled as a baby? Me too. Me too. I make the joke often that my mom, I'm pretty sure, baptized me in every sink and every drinking fountain at the hospital that she passed by when I was born. She's just like, you know, like, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Father, Son. She wanted me to belong to the Lord. She wanted me to belong to the Lord. I also had a formal Lutheran infant baptism. They wanted me to belong to the Lord. Your parents wanted you to belong to the Lord. Honor them for that. Thank them for that. Call them today and say thank you for moving me towards God before I even could. Scripture shows us, though, that people were baptized after putting their faith in Jesus, making it a decision for themselves. Listen, however much we wish it as parents, we can't make our kids inherit our faith. Your parents can't believe it for you. You have to believe it for you. Why baptism by immersion? Short answer is, and this could be enough, that's how Jesus was baptized. And we follow his lead, so that's how we're baptized. When the authors of scripture wrote about baptism, they always used the Greek word that meant to dip or to immerse. That's baptizo. There are words in their language to describe the act of sprinkling. They did not use these words. Immersion best represents the burial and resurrection of Jesus. What about my kid? As a parent, we want to dedicate our children to the Lord with the full support of the church. We do this here on Child Dedication Sundays. Now, that being said, there's no hard and fast rules on when a kid can be baptized, but there is an age where they can fully grasp the gravity of sin and the power of the grace of forgiveness. And our children's ministry team is absolutely fantastic at navigating these conversations with you and your kid who's interested in baptism. They would love to talk to you. Should I be rebaptized? There are those who genuinely did not understand baptism then, whenever then was, like they do now in this moment. Either you were too young to understand or remember, uh, you did it for the wrong reasons to impress a girl or impress a guy or have everybody, whatever it is, we can have that conversation with you, but honestly, that's between you and God. So do you think you need to keep getting baptized if your faith gets knocked off track? No, that's not how it works. We see this a lot in student ministry, honestly. For example, we'll go to a CIY move, a high school event, and students will come home and be baptized with total confidence in the power of the gospel and the power of forgiveness of Jesus' crucifixion, burial, and resurrection. But then in the months later, life gets loud, gets hard, and things get busy, and their faith falls away. And here we are at the next CIY move being asked, should I be rebaptized? Oftentimes, what they're looking for, and maybe what you're looking for here today too, is a powerful, sacred moment of repentance. Either in worship, in prayer, in conversation, or all three. We can confidently tell them the power of the cross didn't change between when you were baptized and now that you're feeling sorry for your sin. The power of the cross still stands. The resurrection covered it all. There doesn't need to be another one of those. So in your baptism, solid. The power of the cross didn't change from now to then. God's love is still for you. 
and there's nothing you can do to earn it. And if you just get stuck in that rebaptism cycle, you're trying to earn something. Do you see that? Jesus died for you and he loves you. Maybe what you're looking for is a moment of repentance. Really actually saying, God, I'm sorry I've strayed. I'm sorry I've been a punk. I've taken your love for granted. Romans talked about, well, if we have grace, should we just keep on sinning? No, because that's an abusive friendship. That's you saying, I'm just going to take advantage of you, God. Maybe you need to say sorry to God for taking advantage of him and treating him like he's some dumpster that you can kick every time you need a way out. You need a moment of repentance. This is the way I was going, now I need to go this way. This is why we take communion every week. It's a powerful, sacred moment of worship, prayer, and conversation with God. It's a moment of repentance is what it is. And just like those people that Peter preached to, we say we can't just go on living this way. What do we do? We remember Jesus' crucifixion, death, burial, and resurrection when we united our lives with him. We remember our burial and resurrection into our new life. And we refocus on our faith on Jesus. As we read in Romans, we now offer ourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. What a good news that is. Romans 11, 38. For from him and through him and to him are all things. For from him, through him, and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Let's take communion together. So here's the last question. Who is baptism for? This is Acts 2, 41. Those who believed and accepted his message were baptized. Acts 8, 13. Simon himself believed and was baptized. Acts 8, 12. But when they believed, Philip, as he preached the good news, which is that Jesus died for your sins so that you can have a new life with God. In the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. This is for those who are here today who believe what they've heard about Jesus being the Savior or at least want to give it a shot. At least want to go, all right, Jesus, let's see what you can do. Peter preached in Acts 2, repent and be baptized, who? Every one of you. This is for you and for your children, for all those who are far off. Baptism is for you who understands the gravity of sin, your hopelessness apart from God, and your desire for the compassion of Jesus Christ to redeem your life. If you're standing in the same place as those people that day when Peter was preaching, asking, what should I do? My answer is no different than his. Repent. Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is for you, here, now. And please, today isn't just about me talking you into doing something. You and I both lose if all that happens today is me talking you into something. But if God is stirring your heart, respond to that. Be obedient to that. If God's moving, move.
We have everything you need to do this today. I know it's scary. I know it's intimidating. I know it's embarrassing to be the one that stands up. But we're talking about the God of the universe in you, not them. We have everything you need, a change of clothes, towels, whatever. It's all back there. I'm heading back there just on the other side of those doors. And you can meet me there if today's your day. Meet me there and then meet your new life's first day there as well in the waters of baptism. Thanks for listening to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. Please join us for one of our worship services at 9, 10, 15, or 11.30 a.m. in Grand Island and at 10, 15 a.m. in Broken Bow on Facebook Live and at thirdcityc.online.church each Sunday. For more information about Third City Christian Church, send email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Call us at 308-384-5038 or visit us online at thirdcityc.org.